0: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. And uh, just one more day until the Timberwolves kick off the unofficial second half of the season. Today on the show, special treat, we have a, a round table of the Western Conference play-in teams, uh, the teams that are kind of in that five to nine range in the Western Conference. I sat down and recorded with Locked on Mavericks hosts, uh, Nick Angstad, Locked on Lakers, Uh, locked on Nuggets, and locked on uh, Clippers. Uh, The the five of us had a conversation about, you know, where's everybody getting up? Who's going to get up to five and six? Who's going to end at five and six? And uh, who is in danger of falling out? Are any of these teams real possible title contenders if they can get healthy in the case of the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, in the case of the Clippers, some of their trade deadline acquisitions, plus uh, Norman Powell, and obviously plus Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. There's still so much up in the air in this five to nine range. So a wide ranging conversation. And uh, that's what the show is today. And then on Thursday, we'll preview the Wolves Grizzlies matchup uh, for Thursday evening as the second half of the season kicks off for the Wolves. And uh, plenty to talk about, of course, with games both Thursday and Friday night. So that'll be Thursday show today, though. Sit back, relax, enjoy the roundtable. And uh, that'll be the show. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Uh, And uh, without further ado, here's Nick Angstad with Lockdown Mavericks.
2: All right, welcome into a locked on NBA Roundtable. It is the play-in range. We gotta throw the range in because there's two teams not in the play-in in this group here, but the play-in range of the Western Conference, Nick Engstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast representing here and from Locked
3: On Clippers. Hey, it's Chuck Mockler of Locked On Clippers, and I'm tossing it over to
0: I'm Matt Moore. I'm from Locked On Nuggets.
3: And
4: Anakin. Here is... Lock... Sorry. <laughs> Anakin Meski locked on Lakers.
1: And uh, Ben Beacon, Locked On Wolves.
2: There you go. Those are the voices. Everybody uh, covers their team daily on their own Locked On podcast uh, for Locked On Mavs, Locked On Clippers, Locked On Nuggets, Locked On Lakers, Locked On Wolves. Locked On Wolves, welcome. Welcome to the playoffs.
1: I appreciate Hey, not yet. Let's not put that out there yet. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an unusual feeling to be sure.
2: Welcome in. Uh, All right, let's start right away. Do any of the changes in the trade deadline, this is for anybody, do any of the changes at the trade deadline really affect the landscape of what your team was expecting to end the season or going into the postseason? Because there wasn't a ton of changes in the West. Did anything stick out to you guys?
3: Well, until Norm Powell got hurt, I was very excited about the trade deadline. Um, I think the Clippers made a bunch of moves for next season and the seasons after that. If you look at Norm Powell's contract, it lines up with kind of what Kawhi and PG are going to do timeline-wise. Um, when he was playing for us this season, he showed that he can score. He can do all of the things, basically, that offensively the Clippers needed when Kawhi and PG do take time off, which is going to continue to happen for their tenure with the Clippers. But now that he has a foot issue, I don't think the moves change a whole lot. Robert Covington's been fantastic. Um, he's a great piece to kind of add to our wing stop strategy that we have going on. But, you know, other than that, I think it's just moves for the next year.
2: Speaking of moves for the next year, the Mavericks traded Christoph Porzingis over to the Washington Wizards and got Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. This was a move for flexibility, right? If you've listened to us at All Knocked on Mavs, this is a move about taking one contract and turning it into two contracts. None of them are... Um, are good, <laughs> the contracts at least for any of those guys involved. But at least they split it into two. They also get the secondary ball handler or at least another ball handler that they've wanted. They get to move forward. Christoph Porzingis had become a process-stopping player for the Mavericks. They were all these different players. I mean, how many times over the course of Lockdown maps history with Porzingis have we said – Well, he can't go after that free agent, or he can't go after this guy in a trade because they can't play with Porzingis. They can't make it work with Porzingis. It just wouldn't fit with Porzingis. It just wouldn't fit, you know, what he needs to get his touches. There's all these different things, and so now the Mavs are moving past that. They maybe take a a little step backwards this year and take another step forward. My co-host Isaac disagrees about the step backwards this year, but we'll see what Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans can actually bring. And uh, yeah, the Mavs are looking towards next season. Does anybody else feel like any moves made any uh, changes in the West for us?
0: I mean, I think... For the Nuggets in particular, uh, by the way, funny story on the uh, on the Porzingis trade, Dallas spent most of the early part of the week offering THJ to all the teams that they were involved in for Porzingis, and then came back on Thursday morning and were like, hey, so you know how we said THJ? Like, theoretically, if it wasn't THJ, if it was, I don't know, Chris asked Porzingis, what would you say?
4: Similar players.
0: <laughs> that was players. the uh, impression, <laughs> right, from multiple sources. Um, For the Nuggets, honestly, it was a matter of watching – what everyone else did in this group, I think in particular, because you know, they're chasing the Mavericks and theoretically, like you said, the Mavericks take a step back, but they just keep winning because Luke is on one of those tears that he goes on. Um, The Clippers obviously get a lot better with their trade deadline move, um, but there's still kind of the question of, are they going to be able to have Kawhi and PG back this season or not? With the implication that Ty Lue's may kind of suggested that they're not. And then you've got the Lakers, that's a thing, and then with the the <laughs> wolves, them not trading Angelo Russell or making any sort of like big addition, I think that's also I think a win for the Nuggets. The Nuggets are just hoping basically to get through the deadline and not get lapped because they did, had nothing they were able to trade for.
4: No, the, the trade deadline basically just pissed off the Lakers or <laughs> or, or LeBron specifically. Um, it <laughs> it created um, tension that is currently being de- dealt with right now, but fundamentally, no, it did not. Change the team at all, Um, you know, not due to the trade deadline, but just an unfortunate coincidence. Anthony Davis is out four weeks, which had been decided after the deadline because of that foot sprain. So just, you know, things keep moving along nicely over in L.A. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and, and for the Timberwolves, I mean, this is the best place the team has been from a chemistry standpoint, a roster standpoint in a decade and a half at least. And so it was, you know, why well, rock the boat. I got the nice Patrick Beverly extension added a year on, uh, which was which was the move when they knew they weren't the only way he was going to get traded is if he was part of a much larger deal for a bigger name guy. You know, the the guys that didn't get traded or like were injured like a Miles Turner or the guys that did like a Ben Simmons. If those things weren't gonna happen, Beverly wasn't going anywhere. And now they know he's around for another year. And and I think most Wolves fans are pretty happy with with that outcome.
2: Let's go back to that Porzingis trade, because it was probably the biggest move. Sorry, Chuck, for Norm for all your Norm Powell love over there, but <laughs> it was the biggest move that was made in this group at least. Matt, do we think that it changed the, the Mavericks, what they can do this season? Do, as looking at it from the Nuggets perspective, were you more excited about the Nuggets' chances to catch the Mavs or to move past them in the standings when you saw that they actually made that trade?
0: I mean, I think I, I'm still kind of expecting a little bit of a tail off. I mean, the Mavericks all season long have been kind of perplexing. They're, this is a team that's been yes. uh, <laughs> garbage <laughs> defensively for three years. And all of a sudden, this turned into a top 10 defense. What, props to Jason Kidd, I guess. Five. Um, And then, <laughs> five, excuse me. And then... You know, Porzingis, I think, wasn't necessarily the scariest player. I think the long-term future for the Nuggets, they have to be worried about it. Like, that, I think, is the key, is if the Mavericks are able to then reposition and get somebody better to play next to Luka, I think that actually makes them scarier long-term. I think in the short-term, it probably helps, but the Nuggets are going to have to start fixing their own problems internally in terms of the bench and getting Jamal Murray back and maybe MPJ. Like, they have all these things, I think, that they're looking at. I think with the Mavericks... It should make them worse. It's just going to be interesting to see whether or not it does because the early returns have not indicated such.
2: Chuck, you saw both both versions of Porzingis in the two, last two playoff series that the Mavs and Clippers faced off. The first year, he was looking pretty scary, right? He had a 30-point game, he had a 20-point game. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, he was stuck in the corner and for, you know, for different reasons. What do you think about the Mavs' chances this year?
3: I mean, the Mavs and Clippers are kind of destined to just meet and have – brutal playoff matchups it feels like for the next couple of years um thankfully the Clippers have come out on top recently but I think it moves I, th- I think Bertans is going to remember how to shoot a basketball I think his drop-off is one that was so steep that it almost feels like it's anomaly status um and I think Dinwiddie you know, he's got something to talk crypt, crypto with, with, with Mark Steven. <laughs> so that'll be a good time. It'll be in a good headspace there for that. Um, but I think a lot of it just hinges on kid. I didn't think K- Jason Kidd would be coaching this well for you guys. Um, I think a lot of mass fans probably shared that <laughs> sentiment. Um, so it's really just what he can get out of it. And if he can deal with this change and things like that.
2: Andy, you've, you've mentioned a couple times in your show that the Lakers wanted Jason Kidd as the head coach. Are you surprised about how well Jason Kidd has coached in Dallas?
4: Yeah, actually, I am because I hadn't been necessarily that impressed with him in Milwaukee beyond developing Giannis. I think he de- he deserves some credit for like sort of the early foundation with Giannis, but I think it's also been pretty obvious that the guy was talented enough that he was going to flourish. I think really, no matter who coached him, which again isn't to take away from Kid, it just means that it doesn't necessarily speak to uh, his strengths as a coach, and then. You know, he was more remembered for his antics in Brooklyn than anything he actually did with a whiteboard. Um, And the Lakers very clearly wanted him as their head coach, but they didn't like the optics of it with kids, you know, stuff off the court, personal issues and stuff like that. And they basically tried to sneak him through the back door by requiring him to be on the staff of whoever they hired. And then in the case of Frank Vogel, I think the expectation was, You know, if Vogel struggled or, or kid just manipulated his way to the, you know, front of the line, he'd eventually be the coach. But credit where credit's due. It didn't look like it was going to be that good of a match in the beginning, but clearly something is working. So good for him.
2: And we've heard none of that manipulation type stuff with the, with the Mavericks either, right? It's been, we have, I, I have, uh, this is one of our favorite drops. This is a
4: positive world.
2: Jason Kidd just, it's positive. Everything's <laughs> is chill.
3: so creepy. Everything's <laughs> chill and yeah, really po- positive. It sounds like That's- a serial
4: killer reassuring or like a, a cult victim. leader, yeah. like This is uh. a positive world. <laughs> oh, man.
3: He's rubbing someone's shoulders as he's saying
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the Biden like lean in and sniff. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, With the lotion back in the basket. <laughs>
2: Coming up, I want to talk about the actual most deadly, like dangerous accusation, like accusation that could happen. Acquisition, accusation. What am I saying? Oh, there's a
3: lot of those we could throw. <laughs> <about.
4: Yeah. laughs> Realize this was an NFL podcast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Is Jamal Murray coming back to the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk about that and the Nuggets, how dangerous they could be coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's super easy. You pick two players, two to five players, and pick their over, under, and their on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. You can go and use this on the NBA. When the NFL was playing, you could use it on that. You could use it on college. There's all kinds of different things that you can do with Prize Picks. They offer you any prop you can think of from points scored, rebounds, steals, all kinds of things, and you can do mix and match all kinds of different players, not just the starters, but the bench players as well. Prize pick doesn't just offer NBA, they have college, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer. MLB, do they even play games anymore? I mean, Maybe when they do, you can get it on Price Picks For a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. This is an exclusive offer avail- available to us and you guys, the locked on fans, sign up today and use the code NBA to get $50 free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, go check it out, prizepix.com. Download the app, promo code NBA. All right, guys, let's get into the Denver Nuggets. Matt Moore. Jamal Murray is gonna make his return at some point, and I think that makes the Nuggets one of like probably the scariest team in this group if Jamal Murray can return to at least some of the form that he has been in the playoffs in the past. What's the status on him and what should we be expecting from him when he comes back?
0: So I had been given a timeline of basically after all star between all star and the end of the month. That was before Murray had about with health and safety protocols. I took him out for about ten days and set his return back. Now I'm looking probably first, second, maybe third week of March, but I wouldn't expect it past then. Um, he has not been cleared for contact, so there's always a chance that he just doesn't get there. Like there's a possibility that Murray doesn't return this season. Uh, Michael Malone has pushed that. Pretty hard. I will tell you that from the people I've talked to, I'm still expecting him to return to play sometime in the month of March. That's what I'm anticipating. So uh, I think they get Murray back with about a month left to play. There's going to be probably some growing pains in that time period. It's going to be a struggle to get him. Not It's not just getting him reacclimated, which is going to be a struggle. It's also figuring out the minutes rotation and then all of the changes to the rotation are going to be significant. Now, the good news for the, the Nuggets is it literally can't be worse because they have the worst done <laughs> in the NBA. But there is still gonna have to get the they're gonna have to figure stuff out about how to balance things, who to stagger, how to stagger, re-establishing that chemistry as well as getting Murray back up to speed. So he should be back, I think, by the middle of March. If he doesn't, there's a chance they think he misses the whole season. And then there's also Michael Porter Jr., who, as I understand it, it is not out of question for him to return. It's a battle of the risk management of him coming off of another back surgery versus how much better he feels since the surgery. He has looked awesome. He has looked great. There's a lot of, there's been growing optimism about him. It started at a non zero chance. He comes back this season. And then it was like a nine 10% chance. He comes back this season. And I don't know exactly where it is now, but there is a small possibility that the nuggets at least on paper are back to full strength by the time the playoffs begin. And from there, I think it's going to be all about matchups.
2: Ben Beacon from the outside looking in, does the Nuggets team with Jamal Murray, like possibly back at full strength, maybe with Michael Porter Jr., is, is that a team that can win the title? Is that is that how scary that team can be, or where would you place that team in the the hierarchy here?
1: I think so. I mean, I think coming into this year, most of us would have had them in the top three in the West, certainly top four. Um, and and uh, I mean, obviously, all for all the reasons Matt just said, there's a lot to him personally getting up to speed individually, as well as jelly with the team, figuring out the bench rotation, but. Uh, I mean, this was a team that was the number one seed not too long ago. So uh, I think absolutely, and especially with the way that the West has shaken out, obviously the teams at the top are are formidable, but like clearly the Nuggets would be the class of this group of teams. Um, and, and from a Timberwolves perspective, the Timberwolves Shot, have struggled with fine. the Nuggets quite a bit over the past few years. Uh, I think they lost, I forget how many in a row exactly, but it was like double digits games in a row, basically since game 82, um, you know, back in the Jimmy Butler season, 2018, they lost. Consecutively, a bunch of games. Um, so the Wolves will struggle with the Nuggets as a matchup. And that's, of course, who the Timberwolves are chasing uh, for the number six seed to get out of the play in.
2: The Denver Nuggets. Uh, what's the, Matt, what's the biggest weakness for the Nuggets going th- throughout the rest of the season? What do you think is something that they ha- absolutely have to address for them to, to stay out of the play in and not get caught by the Wolves?
0: That's a great question. Uh, Thanks. They're, they're, Balance of schedule is interesting. They have the 23rd toughest remaining strength of schedule by opponent uh, record. They are one of the, the easiest schedules in the league based off of rest as well over a positive residual. So the schedule is manageable. I think the probably the key for them is their defense has looked absolutely atrocious at times. Their starters are really burned out. Uh, Jokic is burned out. Will Barton's burned out. Aaron Gordon's burned out. Those guys have had to play heavy, heavy minutes because of how short the rotation has been without those guys. I think there's a real fatigue factor that can kick in here, especially with them knowing the playoffs are a month away and being like, ah, we made it. Well, not really. You still have to be able to close this out and be able to to gain some ground. So I think that's honestly the biggest battle that they're going to have. They haven't had a good record versus any of the, like their record versus teams over 500 is poor. So they're going to need to get more of those wins. The win versus the warriors was obviously, I think a step in the right direction. Um, But I think ultimately it's going to be, can they reintegrate these guys and still be able to keep rhythm? Can you do all this within a month? That's a lot to ask of a team, especially given the length of absences of of the guys that they're getting back, as well as all the fatigue factored in. Um, This is going to be a bit of a juggling act, I think, for the Nuggets the rest of the way.
2: Don't all of our teams have a win against the Warriors? It just felt really, really good. I think all of our teams have had, maybe not the Clippers, no, for the (laughs) (laughs) No nope. Steph Curry, but, but we'll <laughs> no. take it. Lakers haven't had one either? Okay. Warriors, have re- and nuggets then. I don't
4: remember off the top <laughs> of my head, but I know uh, about a week or so ago, we did play the Warriors very well. Uh, for <laughs> That's one, a no,
3: we actually got a mighty the
4: mighty have fallen. <laughs> we we well, remember the schedule off the top of my head to be fair. Like they may actually have this win and I don't I I'm, I'm going to look it up.
3: Just one we that fell over the Warriors they um, do not. during a hellish back-to-back that was Warriors <laughs> Suns and we got the first one against the Warriors and then probably lost to the Suns the next day so we'll take it.
2: <laughs> they're that team that is now like the, if you beat them you feel really good about yourselves, and <laughs> they're they're pretty beatable sometimes some nights. Uh, moving on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow, welcome. Welcome welcome to this group. Welcome to the postseason. Yeah. Uh, what's the biggest reason why the Wolves are over 500 for the second time since
1: 2005? Well, the crazy thing is that the roster is basically the same. Ten of the top 12 guys are the same players. The The biggest thing is uh, the personnel that they have currently has just played better, and I know that seems crazy, but Carl Anthony Towns has has been mostly himself on offense, but he's been useful defensively. He's He's been much better defensively. Um, and I think, uh, I think the coaching is certainly better. Chris Finch is an obvious upgrade in the coaching department, and that's, that's huge. Um, and then the leadership, w- which is Chris Finch, but also adding Patrick Beverly. Even though 10 of the 12 guys are the same, we're talking about Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince, who are two well-respected veterans that I think have really helped kind of stabilize the locker room. Um, so really, individual growth, and, and I know this is, it feels like a cop-up, but health really matters. Um, and this team, last year, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns played uh, less than twenty games together, both healthy, they were over five hundred in those games, um, and so there was certainly some signs, especially late in the year after Chris Finch took over, that the Timberwolves were improving as a whole, and that Finch knew what he was doing, and that Towns was growing, and D'Angelo Russell actually meshed well with him, and if they could play better defensively, then then they could be you know they could be a playoff team, Um, and the weird thing is that it started this year with the defense being really good; it was a top ten defense until really. A couple weeks ago um and the concern is the bottom has started to follow out a little bit defensively that the Timberwolves play a weird brand of defense where they're completely reliant on on generating turnovers which in turn helps their offense in the secondary break and they get a lot of easy baskets that way um so against teams that are really under control and kind of uh kind of play their own game and are well coached and and control the ball well and don't make big mistakes or, or a lot of mistakes I should say um the Wolves can struggle with those teams but they can they can beat up on bad teams. They can beat good teams that are just a little bit off because of the way they play defensively. Um, and the offense was awful early in the season, and that's coming around now too because they're figuring out different ways to use Towns. Uh, teams were doubling him in the low post, so they moved him to the mid post. They started playing him on the perimeter a lot more and allowing him in, to have more face-up situations where teams just couldn't double-team him because he can take basically any big off the dribble. Um, so I, I guess to boil it down, I would say, I would say individual growth, I would say leadership and coaching um, and, and just being able to play your best players more minutes together. And the fact that they're all young enough that there's still like a lot of improvement to still be had. I think all those things together have, have really kind of um, I mean, that's why they're three games above 500 at the all-star break.
2: Chuck, you're looking your Clippers are looking at playing the Timberwolves in that first play in game. What scares you the most about the Timberwolves?
3: I mean, well, first of all, it's a, you know, rematch of Karl-Anthony Towns versus Luke Kennard for the three-point crown. Um, No, I think (laughs) it's the paint defense, right? Like the Clippers somehow, I still don't think it's talked about enough, have the seventh best defensive rating in the league, which if you look at our personnel is pretty incredible considering the losses we've had, but it's the paint defense. Karl-Anthony Towns can absolutely feast um, on, you know, Zubats is great. He does a lot of good things well, but there are times when talent wins out and Carl Anthony Towns can do that. Um, Patrick Beverly, I also think is motivated to play any team he used to play on. Even if it ended amicably, I think oh, he's really? going to be going for blood. <laughs> well, luckily um, that's all of them. Yeah. Very true. He's going
2: yeah, to be, be going for blood in a different way than he, than he has been. before.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the biggest issue. Um, I have no like, coaching wise. I think Lu has, has the upper hand for sure. And, we're already dealing with a bunch of injuries. We don't know what's going to happen um, with that. We have heard kind of some some little scuttlebutt here and there that there might be some good news um, upcoming this Thursday in regards to to some pretty big Clippers players and potentially returning, which would be a very big get for the Clips. But continuity, you have to deal with the ramp-up periods and things like that. So, I mean, this core has shown that it's perfect kind of for, you know, having two stars and the Norm Powell loss on the team too. So, it's going to go as far as they can take us. They played a lot of minutes. It's, it's fatigue and paint defense. Basically.
2: Ben last one quickly. Is this town's team or Anthony Edwards team? Man, I hate that
1: question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's still Towns team. I, I think that, uh, towns and Edwards have such a good relationship and, and they understand, uh, kind of each other's roles. And, and early in the season, it was kind of a weird, my turn, your turn offense where it was, you know, Edwards just plays isolation. But, ball and then shoots a step back three and then it turned into just a lot of just running plays for Towns and and I think they've kind of got this understanding now that some nights one one of them is going to get the ball more and get more shots up and the other one won't and and they're both okay with deferring Um, we've seen recently edwards dropped 40 points i think it was against portland and then he was single digits the next couple nights and um it wasn't it wasn't a huge thing he was still himself he was still this happy go lucky 20 year old that was you know whatever you know i'll I'll get 40 again sometime soon and that was just kind of the vibe and and you know maybe that changes in a couple years and and who knows maybe success will kind of throw that off but i think right now i would still say it's town's team edwards knows that he's a three-time all-star Edwards isn't, Um, you know, LaMelo Ball was an all-star this year. Anthony Edwards wasn't. I think that there's still something out there. There's still a carrot for Anthony Edwards. He knows it's not quite his team. Um, But at this moment in time, I think he's okay with that.
2: It's not his team, but it is his world, right? Every time I see a quote coming out from him, I'm like, man, that guy. He just. That's right. If he, was at, if he was playing for the Lakers, I think he may be the most famous person in like, the NBA at this point, right? Just <laughs> yeah, the way, absolutely. The way, the way he talks. All right, coming up, we're going to get into the L.A. teams that somehow are on the backside of this play tournament. We'll talk about those teams. Uh, but before we do, let me tell you about betonline.net. Football is over, but basketball is in full steam for pro and college hoops. Go check out everything that BetOnline has to offer right now. They have championship odds for the NBA. The team with the best championship odds right now in this group are the Denver Nuggets, plus twenty eight hundred. The Mavericks, plus four thousand. Actually, the Lakers, plus thirty three hundred. The Lakers have better odds than the than the Mavericks to win the, the title <laughs> right now, which is interesting. Uh, Clippers, hundred thousand. So, okay, Matt, you're the oh no, ten thousand. Matt, you're the you're I the betting like, you're the <laughs> betting expert here. So, if I put down a hundred bucks and the Clippers win, I can win ten thousand dollars.
3: Yes, you will. <laughs> But you could, yeah.
2: If I put ten bucks down, I could win a thousand bucks, right? Just start putting ten bucks. Just might as well just throw it out there. So, uh, go check it out on Bet Online. They have the you can d- use the website, use the mobile device, learn about all the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. All right, guys, moving on to the next team in the standings here, the Los Angeles Clippers. Moving on to their own arena. Moving on to to bigger and better things with the Clippers. Um,
3: Theoretically, yes.
2: What should we expect out of this Clippers team with all the injuries? Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. It feels like every other week there's this rumor. You know, Chris Haynes will be like, Kawhi Leonard is like ramping up. And you're like, I don't know.
3: Explosive box jumps have been the the hot (laughs) term used for Kawhi lately, which has been infuriating. Um, No, what I mean. So so PG gets an MRI on the 24th, um, which and if everything's clear there, there's going to be a ramp up period. And he might play in early March, which would be great. Kawhi, absolutely nobody knows. Um, there, there has been some stuff we've heard where maybe there's some good news coming. Um, but, you know, other than I think the overall goal basically is to just keep the intensity up. They've, you know, they had the comeback against the Wizards. They've had multiple comebacks this year. Keep the intensity up and just try and ruin someone's day in the playoffs. Like we, <laughs> we I mean, really, like we know what this core is. We know that they're a very good team of supporting cast. That's great. Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris are not supposed to be your first and second or even third or fourth options. Um, and they've had to have higher usage this year. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of had a weird divorce with Serge. We saw the rise of Isaiah Hartenstein as the second center. So it's really just getting these reps in for these guys and figuring out how much money you want to finally pay Amir Coffey to be an actual member of the Clippers instead of a two-way guy, which is weird because he's been on this team as longer, like, longer than anyone else other than, Like Zoo, and he's been a two-way guy the whole time. So it's about making noise and just you know not losing the intensity.
2: Andy, the Lakers may face the Clippers in the play-in. What are your thoughts on on that potential matchup of just a weird like no-star team versus a all-star like (laughs) former star team?
4: I mean, first of all, just we have been promised since I first (laughs) began covering the Lakers, which was the two thousand five. Well, way, way longer than that. (laughs) I'm talking about during like, you know, Lakers versus Lob City. I'm talking before the Kobe, Smush, Kwame team was supposed to be facing like Elton Elton Brand Brand and Sam This was the 2006 playoffs. The Lakers had a 3-1 lead over the Suns, which was in and of itself inexplicable because that Suns team was (laughs) way better than those Lakers teams. Basically, just Kobe was doing everything. And the Clippers had beaten the Nuggets in the first round. So, like, everything seemed set up for finally we're getting this hallway series. Didn't happen. And ever since then, Ooh. it's just been this massive tease. So, it really would feel like the basketball gods were just giving double middle fingers if this <laughs> finally happened, but it's in the play-in. Like, yeah. just so anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, as far as who'd win right now, I mean... The Lakers, theoretically, as is with both of these teams, have you know they have the best player with LeBron. There's no question, but the team that is operating and functioning the best is the Clippers, <laughs> and that's not even close. Turns out it's a team game. <laughs> I mean, look, I, you're asking me these questions about the play-in, Nick. I don't even know if we're going to get to April without LeBron murdering Rob Pelinka.
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> like,
4: I don't want to look too far ahead.
3: Is there any idea that LeBron shuts it down for the season? Do you think that's a possibility? I I don't think we're there
4: yet, but I think, you know, like all things with this season right now and everything having been so chaotic and going so against the plans, depending on what happens with Anthony Davis, who is, you know, he was given a four-week timeline for reevaluation. That was on the 17th of February um let's you know his track record is not that of quick recoveries but let's just be ambitious and say he's back on the court in 5 weeks that would be i believe the 24th of march you know what does the team look like by then you know how far either how far have they advanced how far have they fallen behind have they managed to maintain status quo because i think all of that could affect you know what they decide to do with LeBron or what LeBron decides to do with himself. So, I mean, it is very, very difficult to predict where any of this is going to go. I don't think there are immediate plans to shut LeBron down or anything like that, but I don't think it is impossible that we could end up there depending on how these next few weeks uh, shake out.
0: What's crazy with these two teams is that I know where the Lakers are. Like, I I know how bad they've been. been. I know how bad the situation is. Like, I watch all the All-Star stuff, too, as, like, LeBron just followed the script. The fact that, like, every national reporter is like, oh, we're doing this again, huh? Okay. Like, it's that's (laughs) concerning. But at the same time, if the Clippers get back Kawhi and PG, I do not think it's insane that they can win the title. That's how good this team has been. Like, they have the infrastructure there, and those guys... Fits pretty seamlessly into it. PG was amazing before he went out, and with the Lakers, I know this one. Like this seems like even more of a stretch, which is crazy because on, and Anthony Davis. But <laughs> I also look at it and go like, look, if they get the seven seed and the Warriors hold on to the t- and the Lakers get out of the play in and they get the se- the seven spot, that's that Warriors team that they're better this year, no question. They're much better than last year but they're better because of guys like Otto Porter and Bielitsa and those type of dudes where this is still Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus a pretty small warriors team that has had trouble with them. Like they, they mm-hmm. those have been competitive games. Like there was like that Saturday night game a couple weeks ago. Um, and then in the second round, it would be a Grizzlies team who is basically just like, wow, this is so cool. We're like a real team now <laughs> who also are really terrible in the half court. Like I don't think either of the LA teams are dead in the water for the title.
3: <laughs> wow. I <That's> mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I want you mentioned, you know, kind of the Warriors. I would love a Warriors matchup for the Clippers um if they made it out. I would even now that Chris Paul, we don't know what's going on with that. I wouldn't mind a Suns matchup with them. You know, they either. Really well um, I do not want to play the Grizzlies in the first round of these playoffs because I think the first round, Memphis Grizzlies are going to sh- really wow people. And then I think when it gets to the second round, it gets a little different looking for that team. Um, but yeah, thank you for the kind words. We need those right now, Matt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we've done we've done sort of the Lakers, you know, why are they here sort of thing, um, and we've talked about what hope. But Andy, do you want to give time? you have Nick? I was gonna say, Andy, do you want to try like got a, a half hour left on this?
4: You want to try to just like bullet point list the, the reasons why the Lakers are here. I mean, look. Everybody knows the issues with roster construction and stuff like that, and you know, just sort of the the different steps along the way that have not worked out that have led to this point. If I had to narrow it down though to one thing, in terms of what I assume is the tension that you're referencing, that's growing very public, passive aggressive stuff with LeBron. You know, taking basically praising every GM in all of sports that isn't his own. I think it was when Rob Polinka, after the deadline, said that Le- that LeBron and Anthony Davis were in alignment with not making moves at the deadline. I think that's something that really pissed off LeBron because at that point Polinka, and this was not necessary for him to say at all, came across like he was using LeBron as a meat shield you know like it, you're, it was a very unforced error from an exec, you know, a a GM who has a habit that, to his credit, he hasn't fallen into too much lately, but of saying more than he should and talking more than he should. And had he just said, look, we were disappointed that we couldn't find a deal that worked at the deadline because we are always looking to make our team better. And I know that LeBron and Anthony were disappointed by that as well. However, I feel very good about this team's mentality heading into the all-star break and you know where just the group mindset is at. And I feel confident that we are going to have a strong finish to the season and I'm going to be working like a madman with the buyout market. You know, Maybe that doesn't make them any happier, or in particular LeBron, but it doesn't give him a specific reason, I think, to lash out. Or, you know, to do this very passive aggressive signaling, you know, trying to create the looming threat of an early exit. I think that is if more than any one single thing what set this off.
2: All right, let's move on to some rapid fire questions for everyone. Does anyone think a team other than the Mavericks or Nuggets will finish five and six in the Western Conference standings?
0: Yes. Who? I don't think so. I think the I think the Wolves get the six. Ooh. Yeah. I feel. Uh, I mean, I, like, I think. It,
1: God, I, I was gonna say. I, in my opinion, it hinges on Jamal Murray really, and, and how that all shakes out. I think the Wolves are gonna play well enough, but can they catch the Nuggets? I think they're they have the two one series lead on the Nuggets this year, I believe. I think they won the last two, um, and so there is still a tiebreaker to be had there too. Um, I, so I think it's gonna be close, but I think there's a shot the Wolves get the six.
0: Oh, let's be clear. I think the Nuggets get the five. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, look, here's the, and this is what I got back to you, right? Is like logically, if look at this, the Mavericks just traded one really questionable player who constantly fought with the star for two different contracts for a guy who the entire locker room hated <laughs> and Davis Bertans, a pure shooter who right now cannot shoot. Like on paper the Mavericks fall down. Now, again, as I said earlier, it may not happen. So this is the weird where I'm forced to be like, what's more likely to happen? Like what all of the factors in team basketball says or just like Luka's like, nope. And that's like really (laughs) the battle here is like it's chemistry and tactics and scheme and personnel versus Luka Doncic is amazing. And that's like really the battle. But if you look at the Wolves, I'll say this about the Wolves. You look at that Wolves record when Cat... Towns and Russell play together, like, not Cat Towns, Cat, Edwards, and Russell play together, like, they're phenomenal. Like, they are phenomenal in those three. The, the record for those three guys is terrific. I think their defense probably picks back up. I think the Wolves have a genuine shot at getting out of the play in yeah,
1: and, and the to that point, the wolves do have. It's I think the starting unit, the start, preferred starting five. When Beverly's healthy, which we we know he misses, uh, as oh, you yeah. know, Chuck he misses like a game every two weeks, uh, and that's you know at this point partly by design. When they play together, they're like the second rated uh, starting unit that's played at least two hundred minutes together league wide, um, and, and so it is a really deep team as well. They've kind of weathered uh, some kind of nagging injuries to Russell into and into and Beverly as well. So I think they're kind of built for you know to, to be able to extend to the stretch run. To
2: maybe just defend the Mavericks here a little bit. In, <laughs> in, in sending out Chris Alk Porzingis, now what they are, they've become that that Rockets team that um that traded yeah. Capella, right? Like they've become yeah. that team. They're a smaller team now. Their two centers now are essentially Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba, who are smaller centers. They're 6'9, 6'10, but they can switch out. They can they can go out and guard some guards. They are, you know, they they become more flexible on defense a little bit in a way when they had Porzingis you know Jamal Murray would just like carve up Porzingis in a pick and roll and it was just it was just like done you couldn't play him anymore at that point. So that that's what they've become and I think to Matt's point it is now more about scheme it's about okay this team has a a set identity it's going to pride itself on defense and it's just going to be Luka and Brunson playing offense and then kicking to the shooters and hoping those guys hit shots. Maybe Dinwiddie does a couple things here and there but yeah I think that establishing what their identity is and now being set on it, I think has pushed them a little bit farther forward than when they had Porzingis, when they were just kind of stuck. Uh, which team of this group is the most dangerous for the top of the West teams? We just did our top of the West round table with the, the Suns, the warriors, the Grizzlies, and somehow David Locke and the Utah jazz snuck in there. <laughs> which of these, which of these teams is the most dangerous? Cause we've talked about, I mean, Matt has gone in his soliloquy about how both of the clip, like both of the LA teams could win the title, right? <laughs>
3: I think it's kind of the Nuggets. I mean, if Jokic kind of kicks it into gear and he he, he gets this rest a little bit. like He K- kicks it into
2: gear. That guy, he's like
3: one of the best seasons. <laughs> hey, it's all relevant. Well, you know what I mean, like from, <laughs> from what he's taken off in terms of a regular season play, but I think it's the Nuggets. I'm terrified of Jokic. and I, that's Other than the Clippers, that would be my answer.
4: I, I was going to say Denver, just because there's a really good chance that in any series, Jokic is the best player. Yep. And when you have the best player, that that is a very distinct advantage that nobody else can replicate.
2: I was thinking, I was talking about this earlier on Lockdown Mabs. That is it crazy to think that Luka, Luka or Jokic, which one of those guys are the best player in the Western playoffs right now? And which one is it? Hmm.
0: Right? I mean, I think, <laughs> this. I think, I think Jokic has more control over the game. I think Luka has more explosive talent in terms of scoring. The ups and downs yeah. are,
2: are higher, right? Like, and, with, and he, yeah. Looks yeah. he looks incredible.
0: But like, Jokic shapes the, game. Like he just shapes yeah. the game. And I think honestly, like his performance versus the Clippers compared to uh, Luca's very, very, very
2: versus the Clippers.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the fourth quarter of those games, right? Like This is, I think, is a problem with how they've gone. And I understand it was a long-term move. And I agree with that a long-term move. Like I think them moving Porzingis was a good move. But if you've noticed, like his usage has been obscene. Oh, during the stretch that he's going on and way more into heliocentrism. Like they started out the season and everybody was like, why are you running ISOs for Tim Hardaway Jr.? Why is Dorian Finney Smith running like dribble? You have Luka Doncic and they've slowly gone the other way. And now they're going even further past what Carlisle had in like full Harden Rockets Luka. And that to me, I have worries about that in various situations. I think the Mavs are, a little bit more, I always, I've started just thinking about the playoffs in terms of, do you have different answers for the problems you're going to face? And I think the Mavs only answer is everybody's pretty good defense and Luke is amazing. And I think eventually that's probably going to hit a wall. Yeah. I, I
4: would say the answer to that is Jokic in terms of the most dangerous player, just because he's the, he's the guy that I think if you're talking about Jokic and Doncic when both are at the top of their games, who's more difficult to deal with? I think the answer is Jokic because It's so difficult to match up for that and you can put him anywhere on the floor and he can do everything that he does everywhere on the floor and just the the multitude of ways that he can just shape a game, that that phrase was used before, I think is a little bit higher than Doncic as opposed Doncic just gets on these insane rolls and and he's I don't mean to take anything away from Doncic I I know everybody looks for slights uh, in, in the world of basketball, Twitter and fandom but You know, saying that Luka Doncic might not be quite as good as Jokic is not a slight.
0: Um, We'll see
3: what your Twitter mentions look like tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I knew how this was going to
0: go. I can tell you what they'll look like. I knew how this is going to go, so I'm just going to lean
2: (laughs) in. I'll send them your. I'll send everyone from Slovenia your way. Um, Are we overlooking LeBron as maybe Serbia
4: protecting me? I'll take my chances. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Are we overlooking LeBron as possibly being the best player in, these, in this postseason in the West?
4: No, I think because A, he could be really burned out by then, and depending on what is being asked of him to carry, the Lakers just to get to that point. And you know, without knowing exactly what's going to happen with Anthony Davis, you know to some degree, your greatness is defined by who's next to you. And I just feel better about who's next to right now Jokic or Doncic compared to right now who's next to LeBron. I'm not discounting LeBron, and if he gets his second wind, like the rest of the West needs to look out because he's always that great. But it's just not feeling right now like it's moving in that direction. But, you know, there's time for this to change.
1: So Yeah,
2: none of the rest of the teams have another top 75 all-time player on it.
0: So, like, LeBron – has given too. so many public statements you can kind of like track. Like you, you can follow these patterns, right? In 2017, the year after they had the amazing three, one comeback, he's in the finals versus AD. And it's just clear that the Cavs have zero shot here. Like there's just, and he goes into a press conference during the finals. And like, I'm standing out on court while he's doing the press interview in the, at the stage area, but you can hear that interview through the monitors and you hear him say like, I don't know, man, like they added Kevin Durant. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, you could hear the defeat <laughs> in his voice. And that was the exact same tone that I heard the other night when they asked about the difference between the Bucks and the Lakers. And LeBron is at a point where he spends, like he manages a global business and he's an entity and he's got to do stuff like he has to run the Lakers um, and he's got to manipulate all the other teams into giving them their players and stuff like that. So he's got a lot on H-G-M. his plate. And Space Jam, and so the Space <laughs> Jam, you know. Yeah, and so with all this, I he's think a that Tequila when he gets Baron, to the spot, <laughs> Tequila <laughs> Baron, he's he got a a, Yeah, I think he gets to the spot where he's just like, "This isn't gonna work. I'm not gonna waste. I'm not. Uh, my time is too valuable."
4: That, that's actually Matt. That's a great way of putting it because if things are going well, I do think he could get a second win. Like if AD comes back in a reasonable amount of time and. You know, to be fair to Russell Westbrook, he actually has played better. I, I would say, on balance, as controversially as he's been, you know, the last week or so of games, the last couple games, actually, Russ has been very good. Um, that loss to Golden State, he—I would say—he played the best of the big three. Um, if, if Russ is still considered part of it, I guess. <laughs> um, but like, if the team is moving in the right direction and they are playing well. I promise LeBron will find something in the reserve, manufacture it, whatever. But you're right that if they're limping into this thing and you know they are technically part of the play in, but you just you know where this is headed, I don't know how much energy he'll expend towards what is probably an insurmountable goal. And I honestly I don't know how much he should.
2: There you go. That's the West play in situation minus the Blazers, who we left out for very good reason. I think we just didn't include them in this in this group. But uh, there you go. If you're listening on Locked on NBA, you can subscribe and listen to any of our individual shows. I'll put a link in the description. If you're listening on any of the other feeds, go check out the Locked on NBA show. Every single day, we have a show for you covering the NBA with myself, Matt Moore, sometimes Andy, sometimes others. Guys, go check that out. Thanks so much for listening to this roundtable edition of Locked on NBA.